there's a movie on Netflix called Tick, Tick, Boom. And it's actually based on a musical by the same name, and it's a movie about a guy writing a musical. So how's that? A musical about writing a musical. And it revolves around a guy named Jonathan Larson. And if you don't recognize that name, Jonathan Larson wrote Rent. And Rent ran on Broadway for 12 years, one of the top 10 longest-running musicals of all time, and it redefined what a musical could be. But in the course of the movie, Jonathan's a relatively unknown person, and he has this dream. He really wants to write a Broadway musical. But the, the term starving artist is very true for him. He wants to write this musical, but he's got to make a lot of sacrifices. And throughout the movie, he's under a lot of pressure and stress as his different priorities sort of conflict with each other. You know, like he, he would like to have like a house. Uh, he even scenes at one point in the movie, I thought by now I'd have a dog, a kid, a wife. And that's just how he kind of feels. He has these priorities. He would like to live in a better place in his rented apartment. He would like to have a better job than working at a little diner down the street. But throughout the movie, there's tension between him and his job, him and his family, him and his girlfriend, and it's, it's tough. He's got to make a lot of sacrifices. And I think all of us, just like Jonathan Larson, we have times where we've experienced our own priorities, and we've noticed sometimes our priorities create conflict between them. You know, like just for example, maybe sometimes your job schedule gets in the way of your kid's ball game schedule, and you're like, well, I can't can't be in two places at once, what do I do? And our priorities can kind of clash with each other. Now probably at some point I'm imagining almost all of us at some point have like made a list of priorities. Like you've just kind of gone down the list and for most of us, you know, number one priority, God. Number two priority, your spouse. Number three priority, family. And then maybe, I don't know, number four, maybe your job. This is where, you know, we might differ a little bit. Somewhere in there maybe some of us would put, you know, University of Kentucky sports or University of Louisville sports or whatever. But, but we all know you, there's a difference between having that list that you can write, all right, one, two, three, four, five, and living out those priorities. There are times where you know what priority number one and number two are, but you know you kind of live in such a way where you kind of skip the order a little bit. You jump around a little bit. We get ourselves in trouble. And so Jesus, in our passage this morning, talks about our priorities. He's talking to us about how to keep them in the right order, what matters the most. And so that's what he's talking to us from the Sermon on the Mount this morning. So if you will turn in your Bible or on your device in your Bible app to Matthew chapter 6, starting with verse 19. Verse 19, that's where we'll be. And we've been talking through quite a bit the past uh, several messages about Jesus has been talking against you know, hypocritical actions like with the money we give, the, the prayers we say, the fasting we do. And so kind of the culmination of chapter 6 is this, this passage where here's what he says. Don't store up treasures on earth where moths eat them and rust destroys them and where thieves break in and steal. Store your treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy, and thieves do not break in and steal. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will be also. 
Your eye is like a lamp that provides light for your body. When your eye is healthy, your whole body is filled with light. But when your eye is unhealthy, your whole body is filled with darkness. And if the light you think you have is actually darkness, how deep that darkness is. Basically meaning, if you think right is wrong and wrong is right, your whole life is very upside down. If you think light is darkness, your whole life is is real messed up. He goes on, no one can serve two masters, for you will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. That is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life, whether you have enough food and drink or enough clothes to wear. Isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns for your heavenly Father feeds them. And aren't you far more valuable to him than they are? Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? And why worry about your clothing? Look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing, yet Solomon in all his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for wildflowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? So don't worry about these things, saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. But your heavenly Father already knows all your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything you need. So don't worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. So I want to focus your attention to verse 33. In verse 33, Jesus says, Seek the kingdom of God above all else. And live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. And everything you read up to this point, up to verse 33, explains what verse 33 means. And Jesus, in a way, he's answering this question, well, how how do you seek the kingdom of God above all else? Like, how does that work? Well, let's just start by saying, well, what, first off, what even is the kingdom of God? If you were to read through your Bible, you're going to see Jesus this phrase, and another phrase, the kingdom of heaven, quite often. And in fact, he uses them interchangeably. They mean about the same thing. So the kingdom of God means living under the rule of God as your king in every area of life. Every area of life. The kingdom of God is Jesus' way of explaining this is what it would be like if God was really, truly in charge of everything. If he came down and snapped his fingers and stopped evil people from doing evil things and stopped us from being selfish and sinning, if he just fixed everything right away, that's the kingdom of God. And so Jesus uses this phrase, kingdom of God or kingdom of heaven, to talk about how do you live as if God is really your king in everything that you do. So, obviously he means by seek first the kingdom of God, well, your number one priority should be God. And for a lot of us, we would say today, well, check, I got that done, I'm good, covered. But there are so many ways to live that out. 
Because seeking first the kingdom of God, well, that involves your time, your energy, your money. It has to do with the plans that you make, the thoughts that you have. It has to do with what kind of an employee you are at your job. It has to do with how you interact with your coworkers. It has to do with how you treat your family, what kind of spouse you are, what kind of parent you are, how you treat your neighbors. I mean, it has to do with everything, everything. It's what we do in church and out of church. It affects everything. So how do we seek the kingdom of God above all else? How do we really make that our number one priority in every single area? Well, let's just back up and see what Jesus has just told us and make sure we understand what he's saying. So if you were to go all the way back up to verse 21, Jesus makes this really powerful observation about us as people. He says, where your treasure is, there will be the desires of your heart. Some translations will just say, and there your treasure will be also. Wherever your treasure is, there your heart will be. And what Jesus knows about us is we can actually lead our heart with our treasure. So if your heart isn't where you want it to be, well, just just change where your treasure is going, and your heart will eventually follow. Your heart's going to catch up. So a lot of times what we need to do is we need to check. If you want to check, well, how's my heart doing? Follow your treasure. I think, you know, there's an older saying that doesn't work as much anymore, but it was, hey, show me your checkbook, and I'll show you your heart. And a lot of younger folks like me go, what checkbook? So it's like, well, show me your bank account. Let me look at your app or something, and I can tell you. But if you want to check the condition of your heart, you've got to ask yourself some questions. Questions like, well, what do you care about the most? What, what gets your attention? What do you spend the most time talking about or thinking about? What gets you really upset? Because oftentimes, those are the things where your treasure is. Where's your money going? Where's your time going? Where's your attention going? And that'll kind of help you understand, all right, you've got your list of priorities, but do you live as if those are your real priorities? Or do you have some things mixed up a little bit? And here's an important question, which Jesus turns to talking about quite a bit in this passage. What do you worry about? There's a good chance what you worry about is where your heart is, because that's where your treasure is. And your heart will follow your treasure. And then Jesus goes on and he makes another. Really, he, he's really great at observing what we're really like. And so his other observation, his first is, well, you can lead your heart with your treasure. But his second observation is, you can only serve one master. You can't have two. And if you've ever served two masters, that doesn't work very well. Right? Like, and what Jesus says is very true. You're either going to, you know, hate one and despise, like, you can't, you can't serve. And in particular, Jesus says here, you can't serve God and money. That's primarily what he's talking about. Even though Jesus is not just talking about money, he's talking about so much more than just money. Money made sense for his audience right then and there. And for some of us, that's what we need to hear too. You can't serve God and money. Because following Jesus is not Jesus and. It's never Jesus and. It's never I follow Jesus and my job. I follow Jesus and you know, this sports team. I follow Jesus and a political party. I follow Jesus and, you know, my family. It's like, no, you, you've always, you can't use this and. It's with Jesus, it's either or. You either follow Jesus or you follow somebody else. And Jesus wants you just to make a choice. It's up to you. You get to make a choice. You want to follow Jesus or something else. But the truth is, you can't serve two masters. 
It just doesn't work. It just doesn't work. And so that's why Jesus then he turns his attention and talks a lot about worry. Because that's a great indicator of our heart and where our treasure is and maybe who our real master even is. Because anything that we choose, anything we sign up and say, all right, you're, you're my master. Well, the truth is we're a slave to whatever that is. And the way we feel, the way we think, the way we make decisions will be determined by our master. And you'll have to, you know, decide who you're going to follow. So Jesus, as he talks about worry, he, he mentions birds and he mentions flowers. And he says those are great examples. Um, as Martin Luther famously put it, God provides food for the birds, but he does not drop it into their beaks. And so Jesus makes this observation from nature. He says, go bird watching sometime and what you'll notice is birds always seem to find what they need to build a nest and they always seem to find the food they need but they still do have to actually get out in the morning and go find the sticks and the hay and the str- and whatever to make their nest and they have to go catch the worms and get food and so that's you know true for us we still need to still need to work still need to be responsible but God is the kind of God who provides enough for everyone who chooses to follow him He's the kind of master who says, if you follow me, I'll take care of your basic needs. I'll provide everything you need. Don't worry about it. You're going to have enough. You will have enough. There's a lot of other things we could follow, and they're not going to provide enough. Those things will use you, abuse you, chew you up, and spit you out, and not, not care about how you feel at the end of it. But with the Lord, he says, hey, if you follow me, I'll, ma- I'll make sure you're good to go. Seek first the kingdom, and I'll take care of the rest. And then Jesus says, well, don't even worry about your clothing. Now, let's, let's be honest for a minute. You don't have to raise your hand. But who, maybe even this morning, got up and thought, what should I wear today? And for a lot of us, maybe that means what kind of outfit should I pick out? Like which, which shirt and which pants goes together? You, know, you check the weather app and say, well, it's going to be, you know, mixed. Yeah, it's, it's kinda, you know, we're in that season where maybe I need warmer weather in the morning, but then I'm going to want cooler weather. What do I do? And for a lot of us, that's, that's what we mean. What, what outfit should I pick? What kind of clothing is appropriate for today? But when Jesus was speaking to his audience, I mean, they really were worried about their basic needs. Like, they really were like, who, where are we going to get food today? What, what am I going to eat? What am I going to drink? What am I going to wear? Will my clothes last long enough? Because I can't afford new clothes. Like, that's just what their reality was. And so for us, we're, we're the rich people. Like, a lot of us are not in the situation that Jesus' audience was in. This is something I found this week that kind of blew my mind. Did you know, so 50 years ago, 50 years ago, the average American had nine outfits that they could wear. Today, the average American has 31 outfits to wear. The average item, they somehow figured this out, the average item in your closet is worn seven times and then thrown out. That's a lot of clothes. That's a lot of clothes. And we used, we used to use this thing called a wardrobe, which when I was little, I did not know what a wardrobe was. Like I remember in school reading uh, C.S. Lewis's The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, and I just thought that was a closet. And so in my head, I just imagined my closet at home, and these four kids in the story, they walk into the back of their closet, and they're in this magical land called Narnia. If you haven't read the book, you really should. It's great. But I just thought it, that must just be like one of those differences between America and like England, like we call them closets, they call them wardrobes. 
And then I got older and realized, no, a wardrobe's like this piece of furniture. And it is like, just sits there. And if you look at that, you're limited to how much space you're going to get into that wardrobe. There's only so much in that wardrobe. And then we move from the wardrobe to the reach-in closet. And then we move from reach-in closets to walk-in closets. And now there are even some houses where you walk into the master bedroom and there are two walk-in closets, a his and a hers. And yeah, we've got a lot of stuff today. We sure do, way more than we've ever had. But at the same time, anxiety and depression are at the highest rates they've ever been in our country. And so even 2,000 years ago, Jesus knew the answer to our problems is not just get more stuff, just have more possessions, have more things. He knew that wasn't going to meet our need. And so for us, we're, we're kind of a little bit of a different boat than who Jesus is talking to. Because probably very few of us really worry every day about, well, what are we going to eat? Our worry is not, can we eat? It's, you know, like, well, what are we going to cook tonight? This or this or this? Do we want to go out to eat? Do we want to get fast food? Like, that's what we decide to plan. We're not worried if we're going to have water and such. And so our worries change. So we're not necessarily worried about those things. We're worried about new things. Like, what am I going to watch today? You know, am I, am I going to be bored today? You know, do I have enough time to get all my, my to-do list done on a Saturday? Uh, man, how can I, I wonder how can I can upgrade to the new iPhone. They have this deal, and if I trade this in, may, maybe I can upgrade if I do all this, jump through all the hoops. Or like last night, during college football, afternoon, somebody wanted, is my team going to win? Sorry, Kentucky fans. It was, it was rough. It was rough last night. But those become our, our worries and our concerns. And so we have to kind of think about this a little bit differently. So imagine this. Imagine if you suddenly did not have enough money or food. So you no longer can feed your family. You have to get a job. Well, what would change? Well, you would say, I've got to find a job. And before, if you said, I can't find a job, it probably means you can't find a job you like or a job you want to do. But when suddenly it's like, well, we've got to do something. We don't have enough food. We don't have enough money we're in trouble, it's I'm going to go find a job. I don't care what it is. The, the certain things, you're like, I will never do X. You will do that. You're like, I will stock shelves. I will be a, you know, I will clean bathrooms. I will, whatever I got to do. I'll work weird hours. Whatever I got to do, I'm going to do it. And then, once you've got your job, then, then you can keep your eyes open for like, well, now I've got this job, so maybe then I can get a different job. That I like a little more. works a little better. But seeking the kingdom of God same exact way. We have to have this desperation of, of feeling like, I don't, man, I don't have a job to do it. What am I going to do? We have to have this desperation of, I'm going to seek God's kingdom. I'm going to do things for God. And you'll find anything. Because when you're desperate, it's anything. God, whatever it is I can do, I'm going to do it. We're not, we're not as worried about, you know, is it the right fit or is this the best thing for me to be doing? Is this the best use of my gifts? Just, nope, I'm desperate. I'm doing something, anything. What can I do? And then you keep your eyes open for a different opportunity to serve. Like the best thing is just, just, just serve, just get involved, just do something for God, anything. Even if you're like, okay, this isn't like the best use of my abilities. And even if you're like, I don't love this particular thing. But you're seeking God's kingdom. And then you can be open to opportunities where something may come along that is like a better fit 
better use of your gifts and your abilities and what you can give to them. Now, Jesus, he, he says quite a few times here, do not worry, I tell you, don't worry, don't worry, don't worry. And for some of us, this is how I kind of think about worry. For some of us, worry is like having a rock in your shoe. Right? You go out for a walk, you get a rock in your shoe. And what's that like, right? It, it's a little annoying, maybe painful if it's, it's, if it's particularly sharp and gets in the wrong spot on your foot. But what do you do? You stop, you take off your shoe, and you take out the rock, and then you keep going. And for some of us, that's what worry is like. We worry about very limited things for a short span of time. Like, for example, you're worried about maybe a family member or a loved one that's you know, they're, they're traveling a long distance, and you're worried about them getting there safely. But once they get there, you're good. You're fine. And some of, some of us are just good at, we can just kind of shake off the worry and stop worrying. It's not that big a deal. But for others of us, it's not like having a rock in your shoe. Worry is a lot more like uh, lugging something like this around, or maybe bigger. And it's not that you haven't tried to get rid of your worry, but like you've tried. Like you've read, the, you've read some of those Bible verses, like cast all your anxieties on me, right? Or do not worry. Like, all right, Jesus. I'm going to try to cast this on you. And, you know, one day you pulled over on the side of the road and this was sitting in your car and you just kicked it out and you drove on home and, like, William Wallace, you yelled, freedom! Like, I'm good. I, I, I dealt with it. And then you wake up at 2 a.m. and this thing is laying on your chest. And you're like, well, how did you get back? And you can't sleep and you toss and you turn and all these what-ifs and questions start running through your mind. You're like, why can't I just stop worrying about this? Why do I feel so anxious? What am I going to do? And so, you know, a little bit later, you go, out to, you go out to Green River Lake, and you throw this thing out into the lake, and you watch as it slowly sinks to the bottom. You're like, got it done, finally. Whew, free of that. And then you walk into work on Monday or school, and this rock is just sitting there, dripping wet, but it's sitting there. It was waiting for you. I thought, I did everything my counselor said. I prayed about it. I read some verses. Why, why are you back? So for some of us, Worry is easy to shake off, and it's our own fault. For some of us, our mind and our body will not let this go. And you've tried everything, and you're going to keep trying. And it keeps showing back up, and usually at the worst possible moment. So if this is you, if you feel like this is your worry, this is your anxiety, I just want to help you reframe what this is. Because I've been there. I've had those 2 a.m. moments where I can't go back to sleep and my mind is racing. What if this happens? What if that happens? What do I do? And what I have learned is that whenever this shows up, it's an opportunity to be pointed back to God. And so if that's you and you find you have, you know, for me a lot of times it's this churning in my stomach and it feels like this weight and pressure in my neck. So maybe wherever it is for you, you let that be a reminder, okay, I'm going to take this, and I'm just going to spend time with the Lord instead. And sometimes it's going to help, and other times you're going to spend time with God, and you're going to pray, and you're still going to feel a little anxious. That's okay. doesn't mean anything's wrong with you. It means we live in a fallen world. It means that things are not the way God wants them to be. But what I've learned is in those moments, I sit with God in the middle of it, and I tell him what's going on. And just like Jesus says, he'll provide everything that you need. He'll give you enough. And 
So worry and anxiety, instead of it being this thing that weighs you down and cripples you, let it be instead a reminder of the presence of Jesus in your life. Because if you notice, Jesus says in this passage, he says, every day has enough trouble on its own. Even Jesus admits, there's going to be more to worry about tomorrow. There's going to be more trouble a few days down. There's always going to be something. Like even Jesus admits that if you follow him, everything's not just going to suddenly get fixed and it's going to be smooth sailing. But Jesus promises, I'll always be there. There will always be trouble. You may have you know, a roller coaster ride of worry and anxiety, but Jesus is going to last longer than your anxiety. Jesus is going to be there more consistently than your worry and your anxiety. And Jesus ultimately does have a solution for the anxiety you feel. So when that happens, don't let it crush you. Let it instead point you to the one who wants to support you and carry your weight and help you out. Because that's what he's offering for all of us. And so for some of us in this room, if, if worry is a little more like the rock in your shoe, I want to challenge you by just, this is what Jesus says. Just, just stop worrying. Like, you're too concerned and too caught up in things that don't ultimately matter. And so if that's you, you've just got to say, all right, I've got I've to figure out where my treasure is, and I've got to move my treasure into the kingdom of God. That's what you've got to do. But for others of you, let that weight, let that pressure, let that rock of anxiety point you to Jesus, who, as we've seen sometimes, he's the rock of ages. He's the one who wants to support you and build you up, not tear you down. Now, throughout, throughout this passage, Jesus also says, isn't life more than? Life, your body is more than. Life is more than food. Your body is more than clothes. Because what Jesus is offering to us is a more kind of life. There's a gospel invitation in the middle of this. Not just that you can move away from your worries and seek the kingdom. But Jesus also promises something that is more. And it's not more stuff. Not at all. Because you see the difference between a Christian and a non-Christian is this. A non-Christian is really, really busy, really, really caught up like Jesus says with all of their worries, all their concerns, all these temporary things. Because no matter how much more you get, no matter how many things you get, no matter what kind of a legacy you leave behind, one day it's all going to be gone. It's all going to rust, it's all going to disappear, it's all going to wear out, it's all going to get eaten and destroyed. But a Christian does temporary things for God that last into eternity. Because as Christians, we do things that, yeah, they're temporary. Like you, you help with a, you know, a kid, one of the rooted kids' Sunday school groups or their worship. And yeah, that's temporary. It lasts you know, for an hour on a Sunday, and you're only going to do that for so long. But that's going to last into eternity because those kids, they're going to always remember, oh, you're the one who taught my Sunday school class. You're the one who told me these truths about God. You modeled what it meant to do these things. They're going to remember that, Right? If you were to help with like our worship tech team with running slides or sound or live stream or any of that, yeah, it's, it's temporary. It lasts for about an hour on Sunday, but that makes a difference. It helps remove distractions so we can all come in and worship God together. See, we do things. We treat our families. We treat our neighbors. We do certain things. We make disciples of the people. 
around us. And those things, in a way, yeah, they're temporary. They only last for so long. But the effects of that will last forever. And God sees all of that. And he remembers that. And what Jesus is promising is, if your first priority is to seek God's kingdom, he'll take care of the things that you need. He'll provide the food. He'll provide the clothes. He'll provide the water. He's, he's got you covered. You don't actually have to worry about that. He'll take care of it. You just instead seek his kingdom. There's this, uh, there's this little poem I heard about this, and it, it just goes like this. You have only one life. It will soon be past. Only what you do for Christ will last. So what will you do for Christ? So if you're here today, and as you've been kind of hearing this, you're recognizing that Christ isn't your master, right? Some, you're, you're following Jesus and something, or you're not following Jesus, you're following something else. And you recognize that thing is enslaving you, that thing is chewing you up, spitting you down, ruining your life, and you want to hear about how you can follow Jesus and make him your master. Then here in just a few minutes, I'm going to go back to our next steps room through these double doors, and I'd love to talk with you about what those next steps are. What does it look like to follow so here in just a few minutes, I want to invite you to do that. But for those of us who are followers of Christ, here's what I want to challenge all of us to do. It's this week, I want you to ask yourself some questions to help trace where your treasure is, to see where your heart is. So here's some questions for you to ask. What do I worry about? What do I care most about? What can I not live without? What do I consider before I make a decision? Where do I spend most of my time? Where do I spend most of my money? What do I think about the most? What do I talk about the most? And there might be some others you can come up with as you ask those questions. But this week, ask yourself those questions. And try to see where, where is where's your treasure and where's your heart. And if you find that maybe your heart's not quite in the right place, then just, just move your treasure. Move your treasure from where it shouldn't be to where you want it to be, and your heart will follow. And if you don't know what else to do, if you're like, all right, I want to do something, I just don't know what to do, then here's the easiest thing you can do. Serve. Just start serving. And I'm going to make this as easy and for you to do as possible. Just go to our website, cvillechristian.org. Right on the front page, there's this little, I think it's a green button, it says serve. Click that, it's going to show you some different ways just in, in and through our church, you can can serve God. Different ways you can get involved, and there's even a little form at the bottom of that you can just fill out, and myself or Caleb or Rodney or John would love to talk with you about how you can start to serve in that way or some other ways. So for all of us, what we want to strive for, what we want to see, is to do temporary things for God that last into eternity. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, I am so thankful for your example and that you are a good king and that as our master and our Lord, you promise that you're going to provide everything that we need. And I'm so thankful, Jesus, that, that you do that with material things that we need, that you do that with spiritual things that we need. You did that by giving us the gift of your Holy Spirit in our lives. And so I just want to pray that you help us to discover, Lord, where maybe um, our hearts are not 
for they should be, for our treasure is not where it should be. And Holy Spirit, help guide us to put our treasure and to put our hearts solely focused on your kingdom. God, help us, help to meet us in those moments where our worries and our anxieties get the better of us. Help us to trust you in those seasons and let you help us and let you make a difference for all of us. Father, it's all these things I pray in the name of your Son.